Birds are removing tracking devices, frustrating researchers. A woman put a victim's head in a bucket after meth-fueled sex. And private schools have come up with dress codes for the parents. These are the weird stories for Thursday on Weird AF News, the only daily weird news podcast hosted by a comedian. I'm Jonesy. I'm your host. That's right. We do five-day-a-week weird news from around the world. Let's do it. Crafty Australian magpies help each other remove scientists' tracking devices. It's the sound of science, sort of. A group of Australian magpies have evaded the efforts of scientists uh, because they slipped free of their tracking devices. Uh, Now, this is very frustrating to scientists, but it also delighted them as... um, you know, they're studying these birds to, among other things, see how intelligent they are. Apparently, they're, they're very intelligent birds. The researchers in Australia placed very sophisticated new devices on them to track them. They look like little backpacks. They put it on five birds, which were part of a larger group of birds, in the hopes of studying their movements as they navigate challenges like urbanization and climate change. Not long after, one of the untracked birds swooped down to liberate It's friends. Uh, Here's a quote from the scientist Dominique. When they started pecking at this tracking device, we were still a little bit cocky. We didn't think they were going to figure it out, how to get it off. But before long, those tenacious creatures found the device's only weak spot, a very small one-millimeter section of the device, and they pried it free. We watched in awe as our expensive equipment fell from the branch. (laughs) that's when all of our faces dropped and we just looked at each other and thought, oh no, this is clearly all over. Oh, I love it. These birds are so smart. They they figured out a way to dupe humans. They're probably annoyed by humans, always trying to research them and figure out what they eat and think. Always watching, watching them mate. You know, imagine you're like, you're in the wild and the humans are always watching you mate. Wouldn't you be like, dude, get out of here. I'm trying to have a moment here. It's spring. All right? Can I get my magpie love on without you being around watching? Shooting video of it? Putting stuff around my neck so you can figure out where I'm going to go screw next? Now, these crafty magpies may have outsmarted the scientists in this story and even destroyed their expensive little toys, but Dominique says that this alone was an incredible discovery. We're just trying to see what happens, and we just managed to discover kind of a new behavior that hadn't really been documented before. We made lemonade out of lemons, I guess. While magpies are known to preen one another, uh, the scientist says this is the first time they've been documented performing what could be interpreted as, quote, rescue behavior, selflessly helping their fellow birds out of a tricky situation. You know, these birds might be strengthening social relationships, this could be the strengthening of social bonds. Really, it's, it seems very altruistic. Dominique says it's unclear whether the same clever Australian magpie freed all five of the birds or whether once they learn how to remove the trackers, they freed themselves or helped each other out. Uh, it would be fascinating to find out what the social relationships were like for the birds that were helping all those that were standing still for 20 minutes, allowing the other bird to help them out of the situation. Fascinating. They clearly don't like the trackers, so 
you know, we'll have to find another way. We we thought our technology was very cool. Obviously, the birds didn't like it at all. Magpies, if you don't know, are part of the Cordovai bird family. And like other members of this family, they're widely considered to be highly intelligent creatures. Uh, I did a little YouTube search. I wanted to hear what a magpie sounded like. So let's all have a little nice little moment with them with a magpie or two. There it is. The Australian magpie. Majestic. Highly intelligent. Oh, and there's another one. Oh, they're getting together. Oh, they're tearing off tracking devices that are around each other's necks. Brilliant. Oh, now they're taking a shit on them as if to say, screw you, scientists. A woman put a dismembered victim's head in a bucket after meth-fueled sex acts. It's a very outrageous title to a story that I didn't think was real, but I found various (laughs) sources. It's clearly real. It was sent to me by many of you listeners, uh, and I wasn't going to cover it because it's so damn morbid. Although weird, uh, but I mean, if this was what some of you want, let's uh, let's cover this story about an insane 24-year-old woman who's been charged with murder of a man whose body parts were found strewn about a Green Bay, Wisconsin property and a vehicle last week. So you got body parts on the property and inside a vehicle. A person living at the home summoned the police after discovering a severed head in a bucket. It's a bad day when you run across a head in a bucket. Officers arrived at the scene and they made their way down the basement stairs, finding the head still lying in a bucket on the floor covered by a towel, what appeared to be dried blood on a nearby mattress. Further search of the property turned up a storage tote in which the upper part of a torso had been stored. The woman's name is Taylor Shabiznis. Taylor Shabiznis. She allegedly is the last person to have seen this 25-year-old man alive. Her clothing was packed in dried blood. When police searched her van, they found a crockpot box containing other human body parts, including legs. Okay, they're all over the place. When police asked her what had happened, Shabiznis replied, That is a good question. Oh boy, she's totally out of her tree. She was later charged with first-degree intentional homicide, mutilating a corpse, third-degree sexual assault. Taylor allegedly killed and dismembered her victim after first smoking methamphetamine with him. They initiated a sexual encounter that then escalated to include the use of chains, which Taylor Shabiznis characterized as a dog's choke collar. There were two, she said, one for her and one for him. Okay, sounds like a typical Tinder date. Eventually, Shabiznis says she began strangling him with her bare hands. She told the police that she could feel his heart continuing to beat as she choked him. So she kept pulling and choking him harder. She kept going as the man's face turned purple and blood came out of his mouth. I'm sorry, this is very ghastly. It says here she played with the the cadaver for two to three hours after his death. Sexually. I mean, how do you get there? How, how, I don't know. I don't understand. I don't understand how you can get there. Methamphetamine or not. I've tried such drugs. You don't, you don't go to these places. Something else is afoot here. Uh, It says after his death, she used knives to dismember the body. A bread knife worked the best, she explained in a police interview, because of the serrated blade. Oh, man, this woman is just pure evil. That's what's going on here. 
Shabiznis told the police that they'd have some fun trying to find all the organs. Her plan had been to bring all of the body parts with her, but being paranoid and lazy, as she put it, she left the head behind. Here's a quote from her. I can't believe I left the head. I can't believe it. I can't believe I left the head. Now, Shabiznis has a history of criminal business. In fact, she had been placed on probation just weeks before this alleged murder. And Shabiznis was missing the monitoring bracelet she was supposed to have been wearing at the time. Oh, great. That sounds like an effective process. What's so... What's the point of these bracelets if you could just take them off and go take somebody's head off in a basement? I mean, I... All right. I need to go back to my happy place. Where's my caffeine? Private schools in India have come up with dress codes for parents. That's right. Typically at a private school, the children, the students will have a dress code, and it's usually pretty strict. I've never heard of the parents having to also adhere to a dress code. Let's figure out what's going around with this. It says here, considering that several parents are in informal dresses while dropping and picking up their children from the schools, some private schools have imposed a dress code for the parents as well. According to the details available from the circulars sent by the schools, they have been restricted from wearing Bermuda shorts, shorts in general, sports gear, housewear, track pants, anything sleeveless, etc., It sounds like you just don't want the parents to be very comfortable when picking up the children. You don't want them coming to the school to get the children or drop them off in the same clothing that they were wearing around the house, it sounds like. Uh, My question is, who gives a damn? Are they... (laughs) Okay, Um, let's keep going. Maybe there's a real issue. One such advisory issued by a prime school located in Bengaluru South reads, quote, Adhere to the dress code while visiting the school. Formal slash semi-formal. Refrain from wearing shorts. Refrain from wearing Bermuda, which is a country. I don't know how you could wear that. Refrain from wearing anything sleeveless. No track pants. No sports gear. No nightwear. No housewear. (laughs) People showing up in lingerie. According to the private school management representatives and the principals, the way the parents are coming to schools to drop and pick up the children has forced them to come up with this dress code. How... (laughs) How unsightly are the parents and they're dropping off these kids? I mean, are they really, is someone really wearing a bathing suit? Like, what? <laughs> like how bad could it be? The principal of a private school located in Jayanagar, uh, nailed it, uh, principal said, you don't believe how embarrassing it is for our teachers and our staffs and even for some parents. Some parents used to come in their nightwears to pick and drop off the kids. I mean, sheesh, imagine, nightwear, huh? I mean, come on now. Some parents are given a little pushback. Uh, They feel that their dress is their own choice. Here's a quote from one parent. Schools must not impose dress code on parents. We should be allowed to wear what we are comfortable with. It is sad that some private schools have started controlling even the parents. Very sad. I agree with this parent. And by the way, last I checked, private schools, extremely expensive. If I'm paying... You know, twenty thousand dollars a year for my kid to go to this little private school, or forty thousand dollars a year, or even more. I want to show up in my, I don't know, my shorts and a tank top. I'm showing up in the shorts and a tank top. Oh, 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 oh! You know what? Or I'll take my money and go elsewhere. How about that, private school? Do they realize it's a business? You know, it's almost as though they don't realize this is a business. Now, look, if it's parent-teacher conferences or some formal gathering at the school, a social event, yeah. 
dress appropriately, something semi-formal. Just dropping and picking up the kids, though? Screw you! Wear whatever I want. I'm in Crocs and my tidy whities How do you like that? I'm writing you a check. I'll show up naked for all I care. Then again, I'm not a parent. Maybe you guys have another opinion on this. Call the show, 646-450-2012. Yay! Well, that was a weird episode. Uh, thanks, everyone who sent me stories. Uh, tomorrow's Friday, so we're going to do only weird news from the state of Florida, as you know. On Weird AF News, we do Florida Fridays. Just the weird news from Florida this week. So if you want to send me anything, my email's funnyjones at gmail.com. Or you can uh, shoot them to me via Twitter or Instagram, at funnyjones. Or at the website, weirdafnews.com. You can click on a little thing that says submit articles. While you're over at weirdafnews.com, click on the Patreon banner and uh, join the Weird AF News Patreon. There's a lot of very quality individuals in there, about 100 of them. It's a nice little club, very sweet people, having nice little conversations in there. It's a lovely community. Join it. Join us. I put a lot of extra weird content in there, so you won't be bored. That's for damn sure. Um, or you can support the show by uh, you know, just telling a friend. That's a pretty nice thing to do. Just uh, I'm going to round up with some phone calls after this. If you'd like to call the show, here's the number, 646-450-2012. You can leave a little message up to three minutes and uh, just say hello to me if you'd like or react to one of the stories. Please don't drop any F-bombs. Appreciate that. There's children in our world. Okay, let's try and keep it clean. Um, other than that, we're good. We're good. All right. Jonesy, this is Becca in Texas. Oh my God, $10 hamburgers with no sides, right? You started talking about that and I was just like, oh my God, we have been talking about that, Glenn and I. Just yesterday, we went out for lunch and he got a hamburger, which was, you know, just under $11, a nice hamburger, but still a hamburger with no sides of any sort. And so he ordered, well, French fries, basically, but, you know, they're those sliced potato things where, anyway, I guess they call them homestyle fries or whatever. Another $5 for a dish of fries that I swear to God at this same restaurant now, <clears throat> like you, I remember eons ago, and I swear 20 years ago for 7 or $8, that same hamburger and those same fries at that same restaurant was about $8. It's nuts. We've got a restaurant here in New Braunfels, which is selling $15 hamburgers with no sides. And trust me, the hamburger's not good enough. I mean, it's not bad, but it's not good enough to be a $15 hamburger. <sighs> the good old days, right? We're all turning into old people talking about why when I was a child, you could get penny bubblegum for a penny. And actually, yes, I do remember that. Y'all yeah. have a good day, and we'll talk to you later. Bye. Hey, Jonesy, it's Skeeter down here in Florida. And uh, one of your podcasts the other day men mentioned something that made me think about uh, Florida and some of its nicknames down here. You know, because we got so many old people down here, they call it God's waiting room. You know, they're just because you're so old, you're probably fixing to die soon, and so you're getting ready to go into heaven. But anyway, we got other nicknames for us too, like his armpit, because it's always hot and sweaty and, you know, kind of thank you too. Now, I know that's New Jersey's official nickname, but Florida can claim it too. One of the other ones we have is America's Basement, because it's always kind of 
wet and and dank and moldy and maybe mildewy down here because we got lots of bugs too and it's just kind of like your basement that you got but it made me think of one of your other stories that you were talking about people putting uh illegit pro- uh, products inside of food that they're feeding people like you told the story about a teacher who was putting her husband's uh uh Liminal fluid inside of the or cupcakes that she was taking to her students. Now that's just downright nasty. That's just dirty. You can't be feeding uh, bodily fluid products and tied into other people, especially the children. Uh, that's just stinky. I mean, having her husband nut inside of the batter. Uh, I mean, that's just like putting baby batter inside a cake batter. That's just disgusting. And then uh, having uh, these women put their menstrual fluid inside a rice that they're feeding the people and uh, sweating into rice that they're going to feed people. That's disgusting. Now, I mean, Florida's nickname is, is America's basement, but we know anything on a, on a person's body below the 50 yard line, we do, uh, know that anytime we're going to be getting involved in a sexy way with people down here, that their crotch is going to be, uh, like the basement because it's moldy and mildewy, dank and wet and dark here. I mean, you can take a bath and hang your towel up afterwards and it's still going to be wet the next day. But, uh, uh, you know, when you're doing this kind of thing down here, uh, you know, that crotch rice, whatever that process, that ritual is called nasty poontang or whatever. I mean, you, you know, you got nasty poontang all over the world, but here in Florida, you know, it's always going to be kind of wet and dank on any kind of person because it's just, you're always kind of sweating here, but that sweat rice, you know, that's nasty to be putting that kind of sweat down into food that people are expected to eat. That's disgusting. And then to think that you're going to have people that are eating honey that uh, honeybees are ejaculating inside of. I mean, talk about nut and honey. I don't need that bee nut inside of my honey. That's disgusting. Ugh, terrible, terrible. Hey, Jonesy, this is Michael calling from Iowa City. And you did a story about uh, people's anxiety over their cell phone whether they could leave the house without it and, you know, how much they depend on it. And I think some of the results from the survey that was done were kind of crazy, kind of out there. And I agree on the reaction that you were having to the results, that they seem pretty bogus and that people are a lot more attached to their cell phones than what the results of the survey said. Uh, when I was still driving seven years ago, I know that I could, you know, not leave the house without my cell phone just because I, uh, you know, always felt I wanted it in case of an emergency. But as my vision faded and I stopped driving uh, seven years ago, I stopped driving. Um, you know, I really relied upon it then because I needed it to tell me, I'd have to ask Google to tell me the time, and I needed it in case, uh, you know, I needed to make a call. I was relying upon it for uh, checking bus schedules, and, you know, I just had to have it with me to order an Uber or a Lyft, so it was it's like a lifeline to me now. If I walk out of the house without it now, which I rarely do, like one time out of you know, 50 or one time out of 100 or something like that. It's very rare, and I just am lost without it, basically, because it's my lifeline. So anyhow, uh, I feel panicked without it. But I, I wanted to give this piece of advice here from Google. Hey, Google, 
how low should my battery level get before I recharge my lithium-ion battery? On the website techadvisor.com, they say, the golden rule is to keep your battery topped up somewhere between 30% and 90% most of the time. Do you want a little more context? Yes. The golden rule is to keep your battery topped up somewhere between 30% and 90% most of the time. Top it up when it drops below 50%, but unplug it before it hits 100%. The reason for that is that if you let it charge, uh, the charge go all the way down to zero, or if you top it up all the way to 100%, you're decreasing the life of your cell phone battery. And now with new phones, they're not replaceable. The phone is sealed and you can't take the battery out and replace it. So uh, letting it run all the way down to zero and charging it all the way up to 100% shortens the battery life uh, of the cell phone battery. So keeping it between um, 20 to 30% and up to 80 to 90% is ideal.